do you feel like, you know, like what was it like to get a pulse of the city in the way where there was no social media? So that's just so awesome because social media, it's like we have it so easy now. Like it, it, social media is like an actual still. So then you actually had to do, and I'm not saying it like that, but I am. You actually had to do the work. You had to be boots to the ground. You had to be at locations. That's why I needed 25 females to work with me. We needed somebody with a car. Like I had a gas card. We were 16, 17 doing this. We weren't even old enough to get into the parties or the clubs we were promoting. The best way to support the Work and Play podcast is by subscribing to the YouTube channel and by going to your favorite podcast player to subscribe and rate the Work and Play podcast. That's all you have to do. So if you are liking the Work and Play podcast, the content, the stories that we're sharing, and you know that this will help someone, go ahead and share the content to someone who could actually use it and help them on their journey to transition from corporate into entrepreneurship. Now let's get back into the episode. Hey, hey, welcome to the Work and Play Podcast. I'm your host, Arielle Young, career transformation coach. And today we have a dope story. Now, when I say dope story, the reason I say that is because she helps encourage everybody else to tell their story. So today we get a chance to really hyphenate your story, right? And those of you guys who don't know, we're going to have a conversation with someone who I would consider an inspiration literally from how she lives her life. So without further ado, I could gush all day, sis. Why don't you introduce yourself? What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Lady Ty the Great, and I'm super excited to be here. I'm super excited. Now, listen, Lady Ty the Great, honestly and truly, it just commands curiosity. It commands power. And then it also commands, like, confidence, mm. right? When did you come into Lady Ty? Well, actually, we got a chance to talk a little bit before we actually did the podcast, and you showed me all of your accolades and your history behind. So you've always been Lady Ty, but what was? When did you come into Lady Ty the Great? Okay, so this is such an interesting story. I've been an entrepreneur since the age of sixteen. My first business was LIP, which stood for Ladies in Promotion, mm -hmm. and in that company, the motto was, "If you don't promote it, they'll never know it exists." So um, I would take. Back then, there were several different record labels, and I would go up to record labels and propose to them that I had a team of 25 females in New York City, and we can promote your product. You give us a shirt, and then we had like stickers, and there were tapes, and it was transitioning into CDs, and the name of the company was LIP. I did not have a nickname growing up. My full name is Titania. So, Titania, at the time, <clears throat> is a very unique name. And I wanted a nickname, right? And when I went up to one of the labels, Track Masters, who did a lot of productions in hip hop, shout out to Rich Nice, Steve Stout. Um, but when I went up to this record label um, and I shared with them, hey, you know, I have this team of people. And he was like, well, wh like, what's your name? What's your tag name? And I was like, well, I don't, I don't have a nickname because you can't nickname yourself, right? Somebody should give you a nickname, but that's what. Um, you were yeah, mm -hmm. that somebody has to give you a nickname. So. Um, he was like, well, the name of the company is like Ladies in Promotion. Why don't you just be Lady? Like, what do people call you for short? I'm like, well, my grandmother calls me Ty. And so he was like, well, then Lady Ty. And I said, awesome. Wow. But then later on, there was another Lady Ty on the rise who uh, did something in music. And it just wasn't me. And I was like, man, I've had this name for so long. My name is Lady Ty. How do, what do I do now that somebody else has this name? And I just heard the great. And you added the great. So there was a difference. I'm, she's Lady Ty, I'm Lady Ty, but I'm Lady Ty the Great. So And literally, I call you on the phone, I'll be like, Lady Ty the Great. 
What's up? It's just, it just flows. So when was this? That was in 1996 through 1990, yeah, 1996, 96, 97. That's amazing. And what I love about Ladies in Promotion is two things. They say no idea is um, new under the sun. Yes. So you hear some, you know, people talking nowadays about like promote yourself. Yes. Because on social media, people would rather talk about going to get some food than talking about their business. Yes. And when you said, if you don't promote it, nobody will know about it. They'll never know it exists. And so that we got, I used to have like a little song, if you don't promote it, they'll never know it exists. We got the hottest rappers, labels, and you know, and so it was just because we worked with record labels, we worked with new artists, we worked, and also with name brand people. So I worked in Mary J. Blige, Share My World album. Are you serious? Yes, The Firm, Nas, Allure. Um, there was a group of music that was coming out of Sony that was just amazing. I worked with Penalty Records, several different people um, and companies that I can name. We used to actually do street marketing. So that was like the the guerrilla marketing where we put, you know, we cleaned up after ourselves, but you put the stickers on the poles because New York City is a very busy company, a busy, a very city. busy city. So yeah. You, you put it on the poles because people were walking past. Yeah. So that was that form of advertisement until they changed the laws and the rules. And it says you couldn't stick it on the walls anymore? Um, you couldn't stick, but they, everything pivoted after that. But yeah, so that was a heavy part of street promotion then that um, record labels use. Like now we see people sticking things in the grass, but we use every measure from putting flyers on the car. I was the original flyer girl. Let's go. Before they started street team. So I was like the street team before the street team. Mm -hmm. And I got introduced to that through an internship that I did at um, WBLS, the radio station, inner city broadcasting. And I met this amazing person, um, Makiba Moon Seipel. She's also um, an artist, wonderful person. And her and a friend of hers had a company called Reflections of the Street. And what they were doing, where they were promoting they were doing street promotion. So that's what they called it, Reflections of the Street. So they were handing out things like that, but they were doing it on a different scale. Mm -hmm. And I decided that I wanted to do something similar, but with the spin of it, not more so the street version of it, but I just wanted to add like a touch of class and make it, you know, I had so many female friends and I was like, hey, we can make money wearing a t-shirt, advertising, and then going places we can grab attention. And that's what we did. That's beautiful. So I have two questions. <clears throat> I'm thinking in two different ways, but n nowadays having a pulse on audiences is a little different because it's online, right? Yeah. But back then, I would imagine it was difficult in a different way. Girl. What was it like to, like, do you feel like, you know, like, what was it like to get a pulse of the city in the way where there was no social media? So that's just so awesome because social media, it's like, we have it so easy now. Mm -hmm. Like, it, it, social media is like, actual still so then you actually had to do and I'm not saying it like that but I am you actually had to do the work you had to be boots to the ground you had to be at locations that's why I needed 25 females to work with me we needed somebody with a car like I had a gas card we were 16 17 doing this we weren't even old enough to get into the parties or the clubs we were promoting are you still trying to get a leg up on your entrepreneurial career? Now I told you about the morning meetup, the community that was created for the betterment of entrepreneurship. And we are cooking up some really cool things. Now here's the thing, if you join today, you can actually get in for 60% of the original price. So if you join today, all you have to do is download the app and I provided the link below so that you can join us. We have community, we have a book club, and it's the largest group that meets every single day, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. to literally get ahead 
head start on entrepreneurship. So if you're still trying to grow, you don't know what your business is going to be, but you know you want to be an entrepreneur, this is the community for you. So check out the morning meetup, click the link below, download the app and join us today. But we were outside and I was like, hey, making contracts like, hey, I charged five cent a flyer and somebody may say that's weird. But no, they're giving me five thousand flyers to get out. Yeah. You know, so I, we would go to popular subway stations, three people at a time in teams and hand them out. And it was amazing because the work actually got done. It was greater than word of mouth. You were introduced to the marketer itself. Now we have click funnels and all of these things that you're introduced digitally because it just pops up. Yeah. But I was the pop up. I was I was the the you were the beginning I was of the, the funnel. funnel yeah yeah <laughs> I was the funnel okay and we gotta talk about that because there you talk about your like enlightenment and your coaching journey and even understanding like how to take what you already know and put it in the funnel so we can talk about that for yes. sure but we got to get back to that internship because I think that's the beginning of the sauce so where what was the internship you said oh tell me the woman's name again because you said that you you started the internship and I'm wondering. If, if that's the first place where you got the your sauce of like trying to figure out you know um right that's that's a very good question to find out where where did the sauce come in so yeah. my mom amazing wonderful woman worked nine to five all the time that was it my dad different story right but he worked figured out the odds and ends and got it so you know i learned to watch the people doing like the little three card monty all of the little it was a very interesting story right two different worlds so i learned the hustle and i learned the nine to five life and so it was like those worlds emerged then i saw my grandmother who was a homemaker my grandfather who went to work so i was able to witness so many different worlds and to make a decision like well what can you do and i actually liked both of them so i my first job one of my first jobs with paycheck was at a youth and career center with the ncnw the national council of negro women how i got that job uh it's always a little story right um so i was a youth uh who was what some may call troubled, right? And so um, my mom was like, she wasn't having it, right? She's like, no, we gotta figure something out. And some running away took place, a lot of different things happened. And my mom took me to court, right? And she took you to court as a young person? Yes. As a what, was the, what, was, what was she trying to get? Like get you to act right? It's called PINS, Person in Need of Supervision. So when you think you're gonna do what you wanna do as a child, a parent has a job because they're responsible for you. And she was like, oh, this girl, no ma'am. And so she took me to court. Um, and when we went to court, the judge was like, listen, you're not even that bad, but you cannot do what you're doing. So what you're gonna have to do is, you need to go ahead to this program, get some counseling. So I was like, all right. So I went to counseling. She says, you have to, you cannot run away. You have to live with either your grandmother or your mother. And so um, I went to counseling, shout out to Ms. Ricks. And the counseling was inside the same building that the nonprofit organization was housed, the National Council of Negro Women. And when I went to the counselor, she was like, you're not that bad. Like they have a program downstairs. Why don't you try it? It's a six week job readiness program. I was like, okay, took the program. Um, here I am with this big old champion hoodie on my chains and I'm leaning in the chair, slouching. And they put a video camera on us and they asked us so you to, see uh -huh, they put a video camera on us and it was a bigger one, not as fancy as this one. You know, she's fancy. <laughs> However, they put a video and I'm here I am looking like this, slouched in the chair and they like, tell us about yourself. My name is Tanya, I'm a Leo and I like Nas. And so 
a couple weeks go by, you know, you go to the program, they give you these little cookies and apple juice and you sit in this group and they talk about the importance of resume writing and, you know, somebody comes in there and finish what you start. Different people like have a little preaching moment, they okay. share a message and we're just there. Then they play the tape back. When they play this tape back on this big TV, because they had to wheel it in, uh, all of these VCR tapes, and I saw myself slouching. The, all I had to say for myself was I was a Leo. I liked Nas. And I, I don't even know what the other part was, but my name was Tanya, and I'm mumbling. And so when I got to see me, that wasn't me. Mm. I wasn't aware that this is how I was presenting myself to the world. This is the slouching. Everything spoke so differently. So that program was the actual pivot, the change, the marking in my life because I got to see who I was and I understood that I didn't want people to see that because there was more. I might not have known at the time what the more was, um, but then they asked like, what do you want to do? And I said, photography. And so she says, okay. And they paired me with Eric Van Lockhart. So, yeah, so he's a photographer that does pictures for celebrities and things like that. And so one of the first shoots was like a Monica shoot. Um, you got to walk in on a Monica shoot? Before she was even out. Yeah. What? That is so amazing. Yeah. And so, um, so he taught me how to tilt heads mm -hmm. and how to do headshots and things like that. And I just shadowed him for like, um, I think that day. But what they were doing was exposing the youth to uh, just, you know, careers. And that's what they would call youth and careers. And so from that program, I actually uh, graduated and then they asked me to work there. And so I was like, okay. And when they asked me to work there, I began to do the actual courses, the class, like I began to do the teaching and mm -hmm. share and recruit other youths. And so it was very popular. We actually did a youth conference in 1997 um, called TCT Teens Coming Together. And we put it on at York College. We had over, um, I think it was over 400 youth there. And that was my first speaking engagement. Are you serious? And this it was, is all before you even hit 20. Yes. Don't let a hot date turn into a due date. Was <laughs> That was oh yeah that hit me just that hit me late yeah teenage pregnancy mm -hmm. yeah so we talked about the issues and the um, and you know there was so much going on that I didn't even realize the power of what we were doing then but there were cell phones and things like that to document those moments mm. right so a lot of it's unrecorded I, I keep some papers that I still have but I made the, my first newsletter in 1996 and it was cut and paste. And they ran it off like um, so I've been edit. I've been an editor for newspapers, newsletters and things like that at a very young age and um, didn't even realize like the field that I would end up going in. So I'm, I'm blown away um, now knowing that you help people tell their stories. It makes all the sense, but we really have to unpack it and we're going to try to do our best in like yeah. an hour because for you to have a breakthrough at 16 and that's what i would call it i would yes. say it was a breakthrough because you see yourself on tv and you're like i don't want to see myself that way yes first of all for you to do that on your own is like it's amazing wow thanks you know <laughs> thank you and then also it's like a lot of people don't see their story from that side come on so if you remember yourself at 16 even you had your speaking engagement, which was don't let your um, hot day turn yeah, to a due date. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What was your awareness or self-awareness? I mean, that's a great example. But like, how would you have told your story back then? 
you know, as young Ty. What do you mean? Like, okay. So it's the, it's the self-awareness, right? Right. It's like, now you go back, you have daddy issues, you have yes. daddy issues. You help other people pull out their story and identify how to tell a story, which we have to get into your process. But this is before you had a process. Yes. At this point, you are obviously the, the child, which is quote unquote trouble. But did you write? Were you a journaler? Wow. So this is so good. I just found the page to my diary from 1997 that I I, I have it. And I said, wow, well, I just said did I you was bring it. I didn't bring it. She but I, all the good stuff and she didn't bring that. But I'll send you a picture. Okay. Maybe you can add it in somewhere. <laughs> but it was amazing from 1997. And um, I, it, it's one page, but I wrote. But the story behind my writing is really interesting. When I was younger, um, I was nosy, y'all. Um, you know what I mean? I always wanted to know something. So I read things that people wrote and um, that was probably private, right? And so you can say, oh, that's wrong. You can judge me, hang me on a cross, but take me down soon, right? Um, but however, so I always wanted to know the truth. And so I read some things from people and I was like, wow, that's how they really feel, but that's how they're acting. You know, and that was interesting to me. And that changed the way I wrote. And I've never told anybody that. Like, that changed the way I wrote. So now when I wrote, I wrote for the person that was going to read my book. Mm. So that means if I really had something to say, I would write it in code that you wouldn't understand what it was. Really? Because I was a person reading different things. So I'm like, there's nothing really private. Your feelings, even though they are your feelings, but if you document it, now somebody's going to see it and read it because I saw things and read it. And I was like, man, that's sad that that's the truth. Mm -hmm. And it's likely that they didn't think that you were going to get your eyes on it. When right. They wrote it down. Yes. And so, um, and that's why in privacy, you know, it's important. But I just want to know the truth. So, I don't know. <laughs> well, so, I want to know about the, the, the journal in 97. But from what you're saying is you wrote, you started writing in code. Was that because you was like, I don't want some little kid to come open up my journal and see my. <laughs> right. And, and a little kid, a person, anybody, because it was like they were my feelings. And I felt like because I was um, able to like, I just didn't feel. OK, so something happened to me traumatic when I was younger and my privacy was invaded. Okay. And so because of my privacy being invaded, I began to invade privacies. Right. Not in that type of way. But, you know, mm -hmm. I began I wanted to seek. I wanted to know. So mm -hmm. if me and you are good friends, and you have a diary right here. I wanted to know how you really felt. Yeah. So if I read that and it's like, wow, you know, this is how she really feels, because I just wanted to know the truth mm -hmm. and to, to kind of protect me from, I guess, being hurt or whatever. And so this was me. So now when I'm writing, I'm not writing truthfully. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm writing in cold. I'm writing the shell. Like I'm not writing lies, but I'm not releasing. Yes. Like only you would be able to go back and see exactly what you meant. But if someone were to see it, they wouldn't understand what the truth. Yeah. And I'm not and I'm just giving cookie cutter. <clears throat> yeah. That's back in the day. Yeah. That's back in the day. Mm -hmm. So my real truth and breakthrough in writing didn't come until I wrote my book. Got you. And what is it? What is the 97? Journal page. So the ninety seven journal said and it, there was a, there was plenty of good stuff in there too. But the ninety seven journal um talked about how I really it is titled I really knew how it be to how I really know how it feels to be stressed out. So I talked about how I was working a job at WBLS 
I was it started as an intern, then I started working there. Then it talked about how I was hired as the first female black producer for Chuck Chill Out's Flow Show, which was a video show. Um, and there's a story behind that. So Chuck Chill Out is an icon of hip hop, um, a DJ, and he had a show. I wanted to I wanted to produce music videos when I was younger because I always would hear a song and I could envision what it should look like. Mm -hmm. So I was like, man. So when I watched the video, I would always be disappointed because I'm like, that doesn't even match the song. So I'm like, how do I get to make the song match the video? I just have to tell the artist. And I was like, no, you have to find the, you know, back then it was video music box and there was jukebox or whatever, something that you had to pay when you call in to play whatever music you wanted to hear. Oh. Very interesting, right? And so I connected with Chuck Chill Out at the radio station and I said, hey, introduce me to Ralph McDaniels so he can introduce me to Hype Williams so I can do, you know, tell him what, how to make these videos. How old are you at this time? I'm 17. Okay. And so he's like, come to my video show. So I'm like, no, I don't want to come to a video show. I'm telling you because who you know and who I want to meet. And so he's like, just come to my video show. So I'm like, let me just go to the video show. Maybe he'll introduce me. So I go to his show and him and his producer are there. And his producer is like, while you're here, you need to learn how to do this. You know, and I'm like, oh, no, I'm not here to learn how to do this. I don't want to do this. I know what I want to do. I know why I'm here. And thank you anyway. And he was like, anywhere you go, learn. And it was like, I felt that. In my spirit, so I was like, you know what, you're right. So he taught me how to cue up the video. The tapes were like about, come on, dinosaur tapes. You had to put the, I don't the know recorder. what they were called. Yeah, no, it was some other kind of weird, big old beta tapes that they would put videos on. So you, Erica Badu's song was out. Um, this is when she just came out. Rome just came out. Rihanna had just come to the United States. Like it was, it was during that era. And so I would put the video in and you would cue it. He showed me how to fade it out. So I learned how to work with all the old school equipment that is definitely old school now. <laughs> But so I learned how to do that. And then the next week, the gentleman quit. Chuck, who was the talent, he sat in front of the camera. He was like, oh, you have to come back, like, because you have to do the show. I was like, oh, no, I only learned that that one time. I don't know how to do that. Like, you know, and I did trust me. I didn't even want to learn it when I learned it. He's like, I have nobody else. Dang. And I was like, what? So the first couple of weeks, y'all, it was crazy. It was, the screens had all the lines. It was all kind of mm -mm, because I didn't learn everything. And they refused um, to pay me. I didn't have the experience in that, but I learned as I went. And I worked there for a while um, and it was awesome. It ended up getting way better. And then it also helped my company because remember I had ladies in promotion. Yeah. We were handing out flyers and stuff, but now I have TV time. Oh, so but you're going on TV promoting. Now I'm going on TV promoting because now I'm the producer of the show. So now when I go on TV, I'm like, hey y'all, this is the shirt you know um and i'm talking about the company so now my prices are going up and so it's beautiful and then i started doing black college bus tours and all of those things where so. was the chuck show the chuck chuck d uh chuck chill out chuck chill out where mm -hmm. was it syndicated in uh new york city everything's in new york and it's in like metro access it was a learn it was a um studio where downstairs they had the psychics doing those readings and really? yeah so it was like the four different studios in one and everything was going on but people calling the the one nine hundred numbers and things like that. So it was one of those deals. You seem like you grew up really, really, really fast. <laughs> but was this normal for like, you know, 16, 17 year olds at, at your time? Not really. I come from Queens, New York. So normally people were in PayPal, uh, you know, um, pay. What is that place called? Um, PAL. I call it PayPal. 
got money on my mind. <laughs> yeah, so um, they, uh, you know, basketball, uh, school, regular things like that. And the you're park. thinking about business. I'm thinking about business. I've always wanted, like people play with dolls. I had cabbage patches. I set them to the side. I wasn't trying to get them dressed. I wanted businesses, three businesses. And I wanted to start something called Why Am I Young Mothers Incorporated. I had a friend who was pregnant at 16 and had kids. And I was just like, man, um, but why am I what it stood for? Why am I in this situation? To help them um, get to greater, right? To help them get out of the situation of needing to lean on um, anything for assistance, but to be self-sufficient, whether that would be starting a business or anything that I knew I always wanted to share. Yeah. Wow. I'm floored. Cause I'm just like, we can go anyway. One year, super duper dope as a huh. young kid. Thanks. Yeah. Given even the sense that like troubled youth is, it sounds like you just were like super duper ahead of your time. And just, yeah, it just <laughs> needed to write down. do with you. Yeah, and you know there was a, there was a lot like um really into like the truth, right? Mm -hmm. And so when I learn something, I believe it, I'm with it, and we're rolling. So example, I went to Catholic school growing up, and so Catholic school they teach us all this stuff, right? And um, shout out to everybody, every religion. But um, so I learned everything, and then I always was on the honor roll forever, A plus always. Fourth grade they introduced science, and so I'm like, well, wait a minute, y'all told me. Is it God or the Big Bang? You know, and so, uh, so I go through that and then I fail my first class. Devastated. Like, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. You know, and so there's always been a thing um, with me just wanting to know, like, what's the truth? What's the answer? What's the solution? Like, I've always wanted to just move forward in life, right? Yeah. And, and what can help us move forward? So is it this or that? And so I really enjoy now learning and collectively just sharing what works for me and what may work for you. I don't like fluff, I don't like in between, and I don't like maybes yeah. at all. It like drives me nuts. I relate. <laughs> and for you to say strongly about you wanting to know the truth, it, re it reminds me, it always reminds me of like some of the thoughts that I had when I left corporate, right? Ooh. Which is like, no, this just is what it is. But oftentimes, not just in corporate, because I learned, I thought I, when I left corporate, I would have to leave corporate politics and go out into the world where everybody tells the truth. Right. But then I learned that if it's not this game, it's another game. So you talked about the internship and that being like your first kind of mesh of both worlds, internship and nine to five. But what was it like navigating through your career with this internal desire for truth? But when you're in these nine to fives, it's like you got to say the right thing. You got to know the right people. Yeah. You got to know how to play the game. Yeah. So I learned how to play the game in every situation the best I could until it started affecting me. Mm -hmm. And once it started affecting me, I had to exit stage left. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and so even in entrepreneurship, um, Rockefeller Records, many people heard of them, right? That was one of the people that I didn't get a contract with. When I went there, um, they were very, shout out to Burt Basin. I'll be named drafting, it's all right. <laughs> but um, Burt Basin was like, girl, you said you got 25 females? We got a Bentley, we got all this stuff. You just show me the girls and we do not need your contract. We're not gonna have to pay y'all. Like we famous. And that's when they had a little office on Church Street, right before the World Trade Center situation. Mm -hmm. They had like a small office. It was like about a quarter the size of this. 
um, and they had promotion boxes and stuff like that. But those were my beginnings. So some of the challenges that I faced as an entrepreneur would still be challenges. Even when I got an internship at the Donna, um, Donahue Geraldo show and they tried to have me go get coffee. I was like, no, I originally went to August Martin High School for communication. So I learned how to work the cameras. I did learn how to do these things and I was skilled in it. So however, I was looked at differently because I was a female and because of my race. And I didn't want to believe that because I'm not, you know, I know, calm down y'all. But yeah. I just didn't want to, I didn't you believe that that's what was stopping you. You thought that. Yeah. And so I was like, no, so maybe want to push forward. So mm -hmm. I just pivoted to the promotion, found the lane that was empty. And then that lane that I found that was empty, I was rocking it. But again, then it got oversaturated. They figured out just a young girl doing this. We can have high school kids do this. And then they started hiring high school kids to do it for free, not hiring. They started saying, hey, you can be an intern. So where I'm charging them $5,000 and getting all this money, now that lane is over with. So then, so that, there goes me in that celebrity lane of that. But then later on, after all of those things, I get married, I have children. So now I'm like, oh, okay. So I kind of put that life to the side, right? You put the life of being an entrepreneur and promotion. Yes, side? because at the time, um, it's like, we're going to start a record label. We're going to do our own thing. So that was the idea of that. But becoming a mom was more of a toll. So now then at the time, the person I was married to got incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And so now that put me in the lane of having to provide. So now I have to provide. What do I do? I have this kid. How do you do that? So I get a job at a daycare where she's going to go because I don't want her to go to a daycare on her own because I've had these life issues that now I'm concerned. So I don't trust. How do you work and have a kid? Like it was just like, wait a minute. So now I'm working at the daycare. Um, I'm trying to do like little side jobs. I <laughs> Another story. I meet uh, the, my mentor, Miss Cassandra Williams, introduced me to a woman named Gloria Terrell, who was an African-American clown. She had a company. She also did theater all over the world. She needed help. Um, so I would go to assist her. She would give me, <laughs> Come on. she would give me, um, a nice little, you know, piece of money to assist her. And, um, you know, she was telling me like, you can be a clown. And I, I just thought clowns were I thought there was something weird about that. You know, I just didn't see myself being a clown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then she took me to an event, a clown convention. I'm like, yo, it's really clowns out here. <laughs> and so then I met another lady who was doing a puppet show for Black History Month, and she was a clown. So I was like, wait a minute. And she was making, um, and th so this young lady, Pandora, invited me to another event. She said, you would be a wonderful princess, right? Because the clown thing was just throwing me off. And she said, you would be a wonderful, could you be a princess for me? And I just, you know, I pay you, and you know, she told me she would give me $75 to be in a princess outfit for an hour. And she would give me the, you know, the outfit and everything. I was like, girl, yes, I'll be a princess. She's like, all you have to do is paint nails. So I went, I was a princess. And so she was like, well, can I call you anytime I need? I was like, sure. Then one day we were in Brooklyn and she said to me, there was a big event at this project building in Brevoit. And she asked me if I would, um, she says, I have to go somewhere. Would you stand in for me? Could you put this outfit on? And you know how to face paint? Cause she given me the face paint. I was like, yeah, I'll make little stars. And she said, could you just do that for me? And I was like, sure. She was gone. I was painting the kids. I had on this clown outfit and she returned and handed me an envelope with hundreds of dollars in it. And I said, Miss Pumpkin, you um, handed me the wrong envelope. envelope. And she says, no, that's how much clowns get paid. 
this is a block association or whatever it was, a housing event, and this is what we get paid. And I was like, girl, how do I sign up to be a clown? <laughs> because I've been clowning, not clowning. Right, and not getting paid for it. So what I've done in my life is I've pivoted each time my life changed. So young girl outside with her friends, me and my friends are outside now getting money. We always walk into the store, but now we're putting stickers on the pole. Now we're getting paid for it. Mm -hmm. um, as I got older, youth and careers, learning how to do this, you know, we made something out of that. Now I'm a mom, so I'm working at a daycare, and now I'm a clown. I bring my kids with me to work. So now I have my own children's entertainment company, right? Oh, Sweetie Pie the Clown. Yes, yeah, so that's what I started. That was your then. name? Yes, yeah, sweet. My name is Sweetie Pie, and I live on Clown Street. Uh huh. Uh huh. I'm the funniest clown that you ever wanna meet. Listen. So if you wanna book me for your party. Just leave a message right after the beat. So that's my come on, come on, y'all know that. Come on. But yeah, so that was a sweetie. So now it became Sweetie by the Clown. So that was the thing from 1999, you know, 98, 99, 2000. I had my son, 2001, and I was like, all right, what, what we got going on here? So you know, marriage look a little shaky, whatever, yeah. right? So I'm like. People are calling like, hey, we're throwing events, we're doing parties. So a friend of mine that I had a marketing company with was like, hey, Ty, I'm trying to do this event at this place, La Barbette. You know, um, let me know if you're interested, or if you know any people. I have a meeting and I do my one of my. Well, I didn't tell you something. When I was 15, I threw my first event. You threw your first promotional event at 15. With a friend of mine. And it, mm -hmm. it was um, ended up being tragic. It, I told my mom, you know, I found out what I wanted to do. I wanted to throw events. And it happened at the Owl Nightclub in New York City. And that event got shot up. Mm -hmm. And 12 people were shot. And so I remember the night before that, I told my mom, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw events. I'm going to do this. You know, I'm not going to go to school. And... That event happened. She that like, event. You, it you, was on the news. Oh, wow. Your girl always speaking on the news, friend. Like, it's. Just, you were on the news? I was on the news three times. Like, that's a, another podcast. I feel like you're Because we talked about the pivot. The pivots. <laughs> right. And then we talking about you being on the news. Like, again, this goes back to you really taking ownership of your life at a very young age. Now, you mentioned your. <clears throat> You mentioned your your um, marriage, mm. right? So all this time, your career is is to, your life is taking you to these different careers. Is yes. what I'm hearing, and you're capitalizing on these moments monetarily, and then you get into a marriage, and you're a mom, which business is going well as an entrepreneur, but then you said it was a little shaky. I'm thinking about your book, Daddy Issues, mm. and I remember I shared like a little bit of my story. Like one, I didn't even know I had daddy issues. I mean, I knew I had daddy issues. It's like, I didn't know what the issues were. Right. Right. Going back and looking at my story, I can see connections of like, oh, that's the girl with the daddy issues. Yes. Right. So as you're navigating these things, if we can, that's, if we can parallel the career journey. Yes. How did you evolve as a woman? Right. And then how do you pinpoint those times where like, what were some instances in your journey? where you notice, oh, that was my daddy issue showing up. Wow, so throughout the journey, I would say I avoided it because I had blame and I buried it. Mm 
-hmm. So I didn't deal with it. So to me, it was not my problem. <laughs> there was no, that was, you know, my father had um, at the time a drug addiction. Mm -hmm. So it was like, that's him, that's drugs, whatever. I'm not going to be that. Let me work hard. Let me figure it out. So my, how I dealt with it was by not dealing. And what was your relationship with your dad? Oh, at that time? Mm -hmm. Oh, there was none. I would tell people that that was my stepfather um, because he was, you know, it was just, there was none. And I had like a hurt in my heart and a pain but then um god spoke to me even as me not being a believer mad at god okay let's just let's just talk about the whole story mm -hmm. but the whole entire entrepreneurship push was because i um felt like i had to make it happen for myself because god wasn't making it happen for me because things happened to me as a young girl and i felt like god was in charge i knew that i believed in god i wanted to be a nun I said that. <laughs> yeah, so when I went to Catholic school when I was younger, my idea was to be a nun because it was like nuns marry God. I was like, oh, that's the dopest husband. Get the closest relationship. Yeah, like yeah. he's lit. Everybody else here be cheating, you know, they for the streets. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have me a real one. <laughs> yeah, give me a real one. I don't have to worry about my outfit because I'm really not in a fashion like that. You know, I like to look good, but it's just too much work to figure it out. Like, you look gorgeous, oh. right? I was like, let me throw a t shirt Perfect. on. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so for me, um, and just to make sure I'm just. Sharon, that was my idea, but when I was younger, and I know this is a touchy subject, but um, I was sexually violated, and so I felt not protected, right? And so now I'm mad at God because I'm like, y'all, I believed in you. Like, I failed science for you. You know what I'm saying? Remember, I right, failed science. Right, because you're saying, like, uh-uh, not I the big bang. Yeah, not, right. It was, it was not God. the mama, not the, right. So I'm just like, hold on. I rolled for God. You know, lost the honor roll, pin for him, and now this, right? So now the issue started with God. So now I'm gonna make it happen myself. So I'm doing these businesses, I'm doing all of this stuff, I'm getting to this money, it's me, 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 me. I am living off, I'm making it happen according to me. And I heard this voice say to me, even as a person who thought I was a non-believer, I'ma let you get everything that you want so I can show you and your friends that it's nothing without me. It'll crumble without me. I'm like, man, I don't know what that voice is because I'm making all this happen. I work in radio. I work in TV. All these connections I have, it's no way none of this can crumble. Now, the marriage thing, uh, I told you I had Cabbage Patch kids, right? I had a lot of them. But I never was a little girl that desired to have children because I thought that that was such a heavy, hear me clearly because people are always doing something with content. But I always thought that being a mother was a very heavy responsibility. And I did. I wanted to adopt, you know, get on my Madonna or Brad Pitt, you know, whatever. Just wanted to adopt kids from all over. I felt like there were always children already here. So I didn't want to be responsible for bringing something, a child into this earth. And um, I felt like I had a greater mission to help others and I did not see the clear vision of what God saw in me as me being able to be an amazing mother because I had that type of heart. Yeah. So um, that wasn't something on my list, but you know, first come love, then come marriage, then come the baby and, and the baby, baby carriage. carriage, right? So we, I went along with that, right? Yeah. And so I pivoted. Did you share with your husband that you didn't want to have kids or any of your desires? It wasn't that because I didn't even look at um, marriage or love as a thing. I was more into business, like, okay, everything is business. Like, guys want this, I know that, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? And where I was from, like, people in the hood don't get married. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And so even that proposal, even how that went, I was just like, you know, and it happened so fast. Um, and so at age of 18 and, you know, quickly, swiftly, 
suddenly. However, yeah. And so I was the prime, the top of my career doing all of those things. And this came in um, and what some may say now, you know, as a distraction. And so, but because of the daddy issues, because of the brokenness, because of wanting to be protected, because of all of those things, this was like, wow, somebody that's going to care, cover, okay, this will work. And we're going to do a record label. Cool. I'm doing all of this for all these outside labels. Now we can build something inside and help the artists. It was my true heart's desire because it was wrapped in business. Mm -hmm. So I was like, bet. Best of both worlds. Yeah. Business. Mm -hmm. We're about to build. And then I can take unsigned artists because you can, like, if I tell you Jiffy peanut butter, Jiffy's already out. But if I tell you you know, Miss Young's Peanut Brown, you know, like, you're like, oh, wow. So it up. I can <laughs> see the work because this is something people don't know about. So to bring something that somebody doesn't know about to the light, you get to see the work. But if I tell you, oh, Mary J. Blige, I'm, you, she's already all over. Mm -hmm. Like, that's, she's already popular. So um, I really enjoyed seeing the development of the work. And so for those things, I had issues with my natural father. I had issues with God and all the while wearing a smile. So there's people that will tell you to this day, we had no idea she was going through any of that. We had no idea. And so the marriage turned sour. Um, infidelity took place. I was like, oh, then I was about to be on murder. She wrote, no, no, no. Right. So she wrote. So I was trying to figure that out. If y'all get the book, it's all in there. But I was trying to figure out like how to get rid of these people because they had destroyed my life. So now I'm plotting how do you get rid of people? And it just wasn't going to work. Like, you know what I mean? I'm not a good. All the things. I'm yes. not a good murderer. Listen, you have to get your 25 <laughs> ladies to come. To help me. Yeah. And then who can you trust? Right. right. They might write something about it. And, you know, but so all of those different things. So I was like, oh, my goodness. I put my life into this. And now, you know, felt at one time depressed and suicidal and like in the midst of a moment, I was like, girl, you too fly for this. Like, girl, get over it. You know, it was one moment in the closet. And when I say it was short lived, baby. So got it together. It was like, nope, next. And then that's when I started throwing celebrity events. Because yes. now I know all these celebrities, yes. right? Friends are throwing parties. And now um, I always worked my way to the top. Meaning I would come in, volunteer, intern, do whatever, learn something, and then throw an event. So then we jumped from that to me now throwing events every night of the week. So now I'm throwing a party in New York City. And it was a very big deal in those days to be able to run out a club, a bar, a restaurant, and throw events. And so um, I did it. I worked with the best of them um, and seen so many people's lives now that's on a rise. Um, and they can remain nameless. But, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's yeah. just so dope um, just to see the growth. Anything that I've ever touched in my life, I've seen it. Not turn to gold, right? Because gold freezes gold. Is, I mean, that's a good phrase, but I've seen it grow and mature. And I've seen it just develop even greater and greater and greater. And so um, I'm now living into that name. Ladies out of great, right? Um, and so that's just some of it. So my relationship with my dad, with the career, with the ex, all of those things, they were happening all at the same time. But some things that helped me was like Lauren Hill, mm. her album. Um, that was a release, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. The education of Lauren Hill. Yeah. That really helped me. Um, I went through a lock journey during that time. Did you really? I did. You I, got pictures of that? Yeah, I Guys, if I can put the pictures <laughs> in the bottom, I'm definitely, I cannot imagine you alive. Yes, they were so beautiful. But um, you ever heard the term like, cut your nose to spite your face? So yeah. they were so beautiful one day. Um, I ended up cutting them, not realizing your hair was your energy and all of these things. And so, but yeah, I, I went through the lock journey and it was beautiful. Um, can you talk a little bit about that though? Yeah. Like, I'm just curious, like when you say you went through the lock journey, 
What does that mean for you? If you want to learn how to make a lot of money through government contracting, then I invite you to watch this episode of the Work and Play podcast with none other than Jason White. Listen, Jason is a master at teaching people how to win six and seven figure government contracts literally by being a middleman. Now, all you have to do is learn how to do it yourself so you can get to the money. The government has it all, so why don't you learn how to get into it? Click the link below, learn how to do something that's going to change your life, and do yourself a favor. Don't forget to like and subscribe. From yours truly, Ariel Young. Whoa. So here I am, this new mom, having to get a job job, right? Because, and I'm like, where can I work? And I get the job at the daycare. I'm going to start the clown company, um, get another job at a restaurant, my first restaurant I worked at. And um, it's just, everything is just, Things are happening. I'm not really knowing who I am as a mother. Feel like I'm lost because I have this being I have to take care of. I'm like, this is scary. Like, you know what I mean? And now I have to learn how to move minus the partner. But I, I don't have anybody to count on, to lean on. There's no moment for a sob story. I just have to go. I just have to do it. I just have to make it happen. And so making some changes, tapping into me, um, I lock up cut out all the, the perm, you know, let my hair grow out, cut out all the perm that was in there, and I lock up, and they were about this long. They First, they looked like little Shirley Temple curls, and some people were like, girl, your hair can't lock. It's uh, not true, because, you're right, lock is a process, and mm -hmm. as long as you stick to the process, you it are going to lock. see. Yes. Yeah, so I got a loctician, um, Charmaine, and she was just amazing, and she explained to me so many dope things. Um, and that process for me, it was new, it was beginning. Um, Lauren Hill was out my hair, I was becoming all of that. And in that process, I was enjoying the growth, the natural, I was connecting, I was finding me. But then, like I said, some things happened during the journey. And because of infidelity, the different things that went, like, I was like, wait a minute. Like, I thought I found me, then I lost me. And I was like, you can't lose you because of somebody. And I was like, well, I did this, like I did so many things in my career. I felt like I should have been further in this entrepreneur thing, but now I'm being forced to work. Is it entrepreneurship or is it work? Which one is it? You know what I mean? So I was kind of at my own crossroads. And so my hair journey was reflecting my life. Like I wanted to be this, mm -hmm. but then I wanted to look like that. Like I, when it would get fuzzy, I would, you know, I, I just wanted it always to look good and look nice. And the deal was it always did. Yes. But for some reason, we like just, oh, I we want the, the neat. Yeah, you are neat. Yes. It is neat. What do you you know? And so uh, there was one day that I was going to my um, we were going to a family member's house and I twisted my hair really, really pretty. And I was happy. First, I was unhappy with it. Then I got it to a cute twist. where I was happy and we were walking. And as we were walking, my ex pulled out the pin and then my hair fell. And he was like, it looks so much better down. And I was like, I'm going to cut my hair because he's so into this hair and he thinks it. And I went home because I was so upset because I was like, Yo, I just did my hair. <laughs> and to the way that I liked it, that I'm content about it. I was going through something. You know, I had a kid. I, did, I was going through a lot. And I went home and I got the scissors and I cut it. And my hair, sis, looked like Beetlejuice. <laughs> Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. It was sticking up because of my energy when I did it. Mm. The reason I did it. Mm. I was angry. I was doing it despite somebody else's my hair. Yeah. And so that's what happened with that journey. But that just speaks to what happens when I would get frustrated. So photography, I mentioned that. Things started to go digital. 
I had a dark room, a green room. Like I, I learned how to do things from the beginning and it was beautiful. I watched the pictures develop. I learned videography, all of these things. And now the world is turning digital. How dare you? I just learned how to do this as an entrepreneur. What you mean? So forget you. And you, you got mad at the industry. I got mad at the industry. I got mad at the hair. I got mad at, so you just say, this girl is just mad, right? So I'm big mad. So now we throwing parties, fine. People coming out, partying, cool. We getting a bar guarantee, so we're getting a piece of a bar where it makes a certain amount of money. Puffy's out, we're making it a band. The club that I'm doing is um, Club Babalu. We had Industries Thursdays. It's right downstairs from his studio. So my friend worked for his studio, so literally celebrities are walking through. Normally people have to pay celebrities, so my events are looking top notch. They're like, how is she doing it? We did it all with zip, zero, notch, nada. We went in there, um, and shout out to my homegirl behind the scenes, Latoya. She went in there, negotiated, and she got the place, and she just needed me to fill it. I put a team together, and then we rose from there. So that was one of the hottest parties ever. Um, nobody in the city could do anything on a Thursday night. So that was that, but we did the Diddy Runner City campaign. We did so many different things, like Floss Magazine work with so. It was amazing. It was great. It was a great run. And But remember, that voice said, when I was 16, he's going to crumble everything. So here comes the big bang, if you will, mm -hmm. <laughs> the biggest bang. So slowly but surely, things are not working out in different places. Um, people, I mean, it, God happened. And so now I'm like, oh my goodness. So now I'm in a humbled place because all this while I was making everything happen, I'm the bomb. Like Les Brown's my mentor at 16. I'm, at, I'm working with Betty Shabazz, Malcolm X's wife, like Jamelia Shabazz is my friend. Like my life is lit, going on college bus tours, making, you know, everything, even if that shuts down, if that shuts down, it's still great, amazing. However, God manages to shut everything down, and now I'm in a humble position. Mm -hmm. And again, I don't, I don't have resources. I take this course to learn how to be a medical assistant before it was popular. Doctors were actually teaching the course of what they needed. And so I worked under this doctor and it was about a few of us, six, in the, six of us in this class, we get this certificate and then there was a high demand in it. Then they started creating schools around people being medical assistants. Okay. This holiday comes up, I don't know what it's looking like for my kids, right? Again now, um, here I am, the radio station has a lady on there saying, if anybody needs help, you know, um, call in, if you need help for the holidays. I'm like, I can't call a radio station. I used to once be at that. So I was humbled, I called, um, ended up receiving the help. The woman was like, hey, um, I'm doing this in honor of my mother. I'll, you know, meet you. And I said, hey, listen, when you come to meet me, I'm not gonna look like what you think. Like, I do have mink coats, I do have nice purses. I do have a car, it's probably about to get repossessed, but however, but I am in need of help and mm -hmm. I'm not a, you know, a louse or anything like that. And she, I was like, I, you know, I, I just can't find a job. I can't get anything. And I was feeling so strange. I mean, she was like, well, what do you do? And I'm like, well, I have this certificate of medical assistant. She was like, oh, okay, tomorrow call Kathy Decker. And I'm like, hmm, I call this woman. I'll never forget I was getting dressed, putting on my business suit, cause I love business suits. I put on my business suit and then I, I heard God say like, put on these funny socks. So I didn't know it was God then. Put on these funny socks, I go into the interview. When I go into the interview, I cross my legs. And the woman that's gonna interview me, she's like, those socks are so cool. I'm like, wow, these are like my clown socks. I have a children's entertainment company. And she's like, girl, you're hired. Hires me. I ended up working in medical for 10 years. 
Wow. Yeah. So worked in cardiology, allergy, um, just for one of the top doctors there. And I've discovered everywhere I go, I am um, there for the greater good. So whatever that may mean, um, if there are situations on hand that um, could be improved upon, I'll notice that gap and share it and then it does get greater. Yeah. So, um, but you're from the the entertainment industry at this point, you know, promotions, <laughs> uh, being the clown, music, parties, all that stuff before like what, 21, 22? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. And then you go into the medical industry and you still take to it like water, identifying issues, gaps, system, like what type of issues or if you would share like a story yeah. about one of the um, issues that you noticed like in the operations or what was it that you were good at? Right so originally what happened um, that I didn't share everything I judged I became. Everything you judged like like from a judgment standpoint. If I judge you wearing this red outfit you gonna I'm be gonna, in a red outfit. Girl talk about it. So m mothers that have four kids mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm a mother of four. I say two and two. <laughs> You're like, oh, four kids. Like, what's going on? You could do it with one. What's going on with four? You know, mm -hmm. um, so I went one day. My grandfather um, was a veteran, Clarence Cradle. So I go with him to his VA appointment. And the people are just evil. They wasn't nice. They grumpy like the people that work there. Y'all are getting paid to be here. No, ma'am, no, sir. What's wrong with you? People are coming to you because they're sick. They're ill. Like, why? So I judged it. Why are you grumpy? Why are you, why don't you be happy? And I heard God say, you do a better job. Okay. Even the clowning, judge that. Because, you know, somebody, I hired a clown before for my kids and I was like, they not doing this. They not even talking, they not interacting. This is before you became a clown? Everything wow. we talking about, friend. So, um, yeah, so I judged it. So that's what happened. Um, um, and I didn't mean for that to, I didn't make that happen. That was just how life happened, right? Because the things that we judge, what do you actually think about it? Like you're, you're passing a judgment without knowledge. You don't know why that medical assistant person is doing that. Not to say that they were right for being grumpy, but now it was like, you offer something else. You're judging the thing. You're looking at something that you actually are. You are to be, you can see the gap because you're the actual bridge. And I didn't realize that then. Mm. So when um, the medical assistant field, when I came there, um, it doesn't have to take that long to get a patient in a room. <laughs> That's just upon the person's discretion. It could be the doctor, maybe the doctor needs encouragement or motivation, maybe they're not organized, but you have to look at what a person needs and how can you make it better? How can you actually help them? So being a medical assistant is that you're just as important. And so I worked with one of the hardest doctors to work with. He would fire everybody that worked. They tried to fire me. They had to hire me back. They ended up putting it down as vacation. Okay. Mm -hmm. I said, no, man, they didn't know I was in the union. Oh, don't play. Thank you. Mm -hmm. They tried it. Amen. However, um, however, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so I try to avoid always in life. I try to avoid problems. So I will always give my best and do my best. So if I actually win a pro, but never knowing that I was always a problem solver, right? Never knew that that was my real purpose. So sometimes there are certain things that I'm here to speak up because I speak up for the voiceless, right? And so when I went into the medical field, it started off to me as me just being a happy, smiley face throughout the process, right? And keeping to that. But then there were other things that were taking place. Um, 
So for me, um, me popping up on the scene, if there's any darkness, it's going to have to disappear. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and so um, behind me working in the medical field, there was actually the top doctor ended up being, uh, what are they, I don't know if they call it disbarred or whatever. He ended up losing his license for a little while because mm -hmm. um, there was some illegal activities that was taking place that I didn't look for it. I didn't go to figure it out, but behind them um, getting rid of me or trying to, they noticed some things that was taking place. So there were a lot of different things that um, I'm not looking for this stuff, you know, that were taking place um, that so shouldn't. You, were, you identified a gap. So you were fi probably filling a gap. And then when you got, when you left, they were like, hey, Ty was doing this and. Yeah, no. So <laughs> I was, um, the doctor would like people to come in extra early, mm -hmm. right? And a lot of people didn't understand why. They was like, oh, he just likes to set up a certain way. But he was doing um, illegal immigrations. Yeah. So um, what happened when they switched insurance and did a lot of different things, there was, um, there was money cuts. So a long time ago, there used to be an insurance called HIP. You know, it's all politics. Mm -hmm. But there were money cuts that actually took place. And so... Um, he couldn't do the appointments the way he was. I had no idea what he was doing. But because when they were firing me, other doctors petitioned, like, why did we fire Ty compared to everybody else? She always is here. She works overtime. See, I was working overtime and working through my lunches, which is illegal. And I would always ask for coverage, but they never would give coverage because he didn't want anybody else working the shift. He wanted, because whatever he was doing, he was doing it and he just wanted it to flow yeah. and that was it. So once you were removed, they, they started to investigate Because things. I said, yeah, I never got these lunches. I never got this. So mm -hmm. I'm arguing my case about my lunches and that I was always there. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I actually passed out due to exhaustion and was hospitalized. So they fired me and they said I was a no call, no show. When I had the hospital, I came to the job with the hospital being on the next day. And so, but they didn't know that I was already in a union, but they had been doing that to several different people. Um, and so when I come on the scene, it's basically time up for any darkness, any evil that's going on it's like no so that's just one of the examples then and when I moved to Georgia there was another example I worked for a retirement center and elderly people were getting harmed and um, first I had the wrong approach you know I went up to the person and was like you ain't do that on my watch like you know what I'm saying when I'm here and they they were a supervisor so they was like she doesn't come back from lunch I was like I take lunch here I don't even leave the building but they rebuttaled in a in the corporate way right there's a way that they do things in corporate right. and I didn't know I was still holy hood that's what I call myself that's this is what I was talking about where it's like you are so for the truth but meanwhile you got to navigate these systems and these like egos in a way that you have to. So this is actually a really, really good example. Yeah, so now I'm in Georgia, you know, left New York, stopping the party thing, left the medical, because after 10 years, now we're just moving from New York to Georgia, right? Back, everything packed up in a Yukon XL, and here we are. And so talking about the job side of things, um, looking for a job, this girl selling pocketbooks, I don't got no more. But I was <laughs> selling pocketbooks, CDs, DVDs. I'm like, yo, this cannot be life. Trying to get a job at restaurants again. Worked at Old Charlie's. Like, girl, I'm like, this cannot. Yo, I worked with celebrities. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? But God is a celebrity. But I'm just, yeah. Did you have to humble yourself? Or was it a struggle? Girl, it, no, it wasn't a struggle to humble myself because it didn't matter. I had these kids. Like, I have to get it how I'm getting it. So mm -hmm. the plan is just I can move in. Georgia we can live cheaper 
and I can get money. So Liberty Tax Service, I was trying, it didn't matter. So I was like, I just knew I would get back to the top of whatever it was. So even working at Old Charlie's, they made me the trainer, which means you get paid more. Girl, I didn't know we were getting paid $2.13. I thought it was two fifteen. So one day I was arguing with one of the, uh, the guy was saying something. And I was like, listen, one of the workers, I was like, it's not even worth it for like two fifteen. He was like, we get paid two thirteen. I was like, what? that's even worse. <laughs> But that's the fee of the weight uh, when you're doing weight staff because you get tips. Right, right, right. Well, that's a whole that's a whole other podcast. Right. In terms of yeah, tips and, mm-hmm. yeah. And so that was that feel. So me working as a trainer. Anyway, I was just I found myself at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Okay, so now I'm back at the beginning because waitress was one of the first jobs meet with me as a mom, the waitress, the, the cuddly bear daycare, the, you know, all of those things was me starting over. And I'm like, how did I get back to the beginning again? But I was like, cool. I had a plan. I had a reason. And it's in the book. But um, here I am in Georgia starting afresh, just knowing I'm gonna get a job in medical, not knowing they wasn't really feeling New Yorkers. Oh. I watched somebody take my resume and throw it in the garbage in my face. Like, we good. Wow. Because you, I'm coming down here and they're looking at me like I'm going to be moving fast and then that's going to require them to move up wow. or it's just going to be different or whatever the judgment was of a New Yorker. I couldn't get a job since in the medical and I was lit. Okay, then did podiatry, urology, like all of the, I had every field that I assisted with. So, however, back to God, right? So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, so I had to humble myself, and now I find, um, during this, me selling the pocketbooks, um, I meet after the police gave a ticket. Girl, um, almost was on the news again. But however, right? <laughs> but so the police gave a ticket, so I realized the pocketbook company wasn't going to work too well. Yeah, it was too hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was too hot. And girl, mm-hmm. I had it set up in front of the Southern Seafood store. You could come through, get anything you want. I would hook you up, girl. So. I met this lady who had on scrubs and I was like, hey, are they hiring where you are? And so I ended up going to interview, get this job, um, beautiful, wonderful, and they hired me as a receptionist. There was no need for me to be a receptionist. They had a receptionist downstairs. God literally made a position for me. Yeah. All I did was redirect people that had dementia. Like they were like, I'm, they, you know, they out. They about to go in the elevator. They, we was on the sixth floor. And I'm like, oh, don't go right now. Like let's paint your nails. You know, they're going to go meet their husband that passed away 25 years ago. But I enjoyed um, bringing them joy, being patient and kind with them. But I did work double shifts on the weekend where there was no uh, supervisors there. No, the bosses weren't there. So that meant the people who were there working, they kind of cut up. You know what I'm saying? Because they, whatever the saying is. But they would just do what they wanted to do. And I noticed some things taking place and people being mistreated. It wasn't too bad what I had noticed, but I still spoke up on it. Like, you're not going to do that on my watch. Mm-hmm. And then I got that corporate rebuttal, you know, that, okay, um, this is what we're getting ready to do. You know, they started, you know, making up stories about me. And I was like, you know what, for my lunch, I'm not even going to move out of my desk no more. I'm going to be right here because you can't say that. But the deal was I had started some trouble. Right. By talking the truth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so I went ahead and I told the owner. Right. Because I realized when I told my supervisor, she was on the same page. She just wanted the work to get done. Like, just don't don't trouble my girls over here that do what they do, like kind of mind your business. And um, I told the owner when I told the owner, I said, you probably need to put cameras in place. And I would I wouldn't say anything about it because I'm not going to be your snitch. Like, I'm not going to keep coming to you, telling you different things. And. He put cameras in place and they found out a lot of things and fired a lot of people. Um, and then I was actually injured on that job. 
and because my boss now changed my position from receptionist to uh, she was telling me I had to give people showers now which wasn't part of my job description and um but it was cool but long story short I'm excited because that facility now is safer than it was absolutely but yeah just like you said there was a pivot there there was a lot so um I really got to serve a lot in changing lives that's where my prayer life was birthed because people were actually um they were about 100 years old like all kind of ages and they would pass away and as a receptionist my job would be to call the chaplain well the chaplain was hardly available so when he finally came in i was like sir what do you do <laughs> because you don't be here friend like what do you actually do yeah. when the people die in and he was like i just read their favorite scripture and i'm like how do you know their favorite scripture he was like I asked them. I'm like, bro, I could have been a nun a long Doing time it. ago. Were you, right? Did you take his role for me? So, because I said, I just wanted to know because, so I wrote a list down of all the rooms. We had 33 rooms mm -hmm. and I went to each room and asked them their okay. favorite scripture. Mm -hmm. And so, because what happens is in between that time, a lot of them were on hospice. And mm -hmm. so the nurses would come and they would put them at ease is what they say. So, um, and I'll leave that right there. But um, yeah, so they, during that time, family members were being notified to come up and sometimes people didn't show up before they transitioned so i would be the one there during the transition so i actually began to go in the room and read the scripture didn't know nothing about the bible had the bible like the you know reading psalms 23 and that's where um it started for me because i was just like man i don't really know too much about this but i just know that this is a moment and I'm here for the moment. And then I pray, like, God, don't let anybody else die on my shift. Like, what's going on? Because this is, because you have to explain it to the family. They want to know what was happening. And yeah. I'm like, y'all just need to get here when we call. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, that was the start of my relationship with, uh, with God. And that was the mending of my daddy issues with God. So that was the start of that. That leads into the book. <laughs> Goodness, God. That leads into the book. Listen, <laughs> the pivots, the realizations the times when God has you, like all of those things, like, and you tell them so, such in a detailed way wow. that it's like, you know, a lot of people don't even, they're not tapped in well enough to figure out their own story, right? So now that you've like, at this point in your journey, you've gone through so much, when did you start teaching other people to tell their story? So, um, remember that news thing? <laughs> So in 2009, I was on the news again. My ex-husband tried to murder me. I tried to murder him back. Uh, the SWAT team came. We lived in Tucker, Georgia. And um, Tucker, Georgia is a small town. I didn't know how small it was. Um, and so one day I went to the gas station. So I'm going to the gas station. I'm filling up with gas. A realtor pulls up and I'm like, hey, can I get your card? Cause I want to move. So some guys like, Hey, Shawty, you know, my welcome to the A. Hey, Shawty, you know, he's trying to holler. And I'm like, no, sir. He's like, you look familiar. I'm like, it's not even possible. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm from New York. Yeah. So mm -hmm. just stop it. So the realtor's asking me where I stay. And I'm like, Tucker. And the guy's like, I knew it. I knew I knew you. I saw you on the news. And oh, he, he's for real. <laughs> he was telling me my story. Now, Imagine being, I just call it like this, a fake celebrity, right? Because I wasn't the celebrity, but I threw the events. I did all the things, made nice money, $10,000 on a Thursday. So in my life now, $10,000, we talk about $10,000 months, $10,000 days and stuff. But I already did that at, in my 20s, throwing an event, like Thanksgiving, $10,000 at a party, right? 
Now, I say that to say, because I, I then, of course, was in some pride, feeling myself, feeling like I can make it happen, but now going through the cycle of being humbled, but now I people know me. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody said it was on the news. I saw the helicopters. I was in the situation. It was, you know, we got rescued out of a side of a window, squat people with the guns. It was real life, but what did I do to deal with that trauma? You told your story. I got three jobs. Worked at Liberty Tax, mm-hmm. got another job at an auto body shop. You got three jobs three to jobs overcome. To overcome. Just got jobs. So never realizing, but look at this. And this is so important, guys. I just came to this realization the other day. Remember, when I was in court, my mom took me to court, person that needed supervision. When I was 16, I went to counseling. I was dealing with some trauma that I never talked about. Got put in counseling, and she referred me to a job program. My, so to me, my resolve was work. working. And so now I became a workaholic, not even realizing that. So working was my answer. Cause now I don't have to think, I don't have to do it. I'm doing this, I'm solving everybody else's problem, but my own. Mm. And so now here I am at the gas station, trying to get this realtor's card. This old dude is hollering, holla, he's doing his holler. <laughs> and I'm like, sir, and he replays my story. A stranger, I'm tripping. Now this is the first time I'm faced with it like, oh my God, I'm embarrassed, I'm shamed, I'm, I'm all of these things. And God says, I'm over it. I'm like, here go that voice. You know what I'm saying? Bang, boom, bam, what we got going on? Here's this what you, oh, you over it. Me too. Like. So now I was forced to deal with it. So God was like, I brought it to the light because that's, that's, a, that's a wrap. Now let's get to, and then, then I begin to, you know, God is like, I'm gonna put you back on track like you never got off. And I'm like, I got a lot of questions. Okay, because what you, you supposed to honor marriage. He said, what I put together. I said, oh, he's snapping. He's talking back fast. Like, you know what I'm saying? God, like, and so now I'm having this conversation. Finally, I'm talking back to this, conversation Mm -hmm. and now I'm hearing direct answers in my life and he's directing me in the Bible mind you my first Bible was stolen I stole it from the motel I did because I wanted the the truth remember but when I opened it I was like oh girl I'm going to hell hell let me close this up because I know where art thou this that nope don't understand it why the pages starting over like had no clue and so I was like what do they keep what are all these people like is it the what so just very confused Mm -hmm. um but God was calling me in and he said, I had to pull you out to pull you in. I was like, whatever that means, you know? And so what happened now I'm faced with, this is my life. This is what really happened. And you out here managing Liberty tax service, people, the statues that's dancing with the, mm-hmm. you, you just working like it's all good yeah. and ma'am. And so, um, that was the start, but my answer and my resolve was actually working. And then I remember me and my good friend, we were going to do a cookbook called pretty girls cook. And we were so excited about it. And I heard God say again, now nah, you gonna write my book. I'm like, that is not God because he has a whole Bible and there's nothing that like, if you know me, <laughs> there's nothing that I can say that would even be, because I was thinking it was, you know, a holy or a different type of thing. Not understanding, cause I never encountered God's love and never knew that he loved each and every one of us. I was so stuck on the religious part that I had learned through Catholic school, what you see in church, don't do this, everything's a sin. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I'm just like, dad, I'm just out of the God club. You know, so I wanted to be great at anything, even if that meant being great at being bad. But I just wanted to be great, Mm -hmm. right? And so it was like, how do I get back to, how do we connect now we done did 
it looked like I'm all over the place. We didn't do daycare, we didn't do clown, we didn't do medical assistant, Promotion. we didn't do waitressing, mm -hmm. promotions, we did celebrity. <clears throat> and every time we do something, we excel to the top, but then we stop or it gets shifted or we have to pivot. So what are we doing? And then God says, Jeremiah 29, 11, what is that? I know the plans I have for you, thus says the Lord, plans to prosper you, not harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Eh, incorrect, because I was getting harmed, and God said, that is not my plan. And I was like, so what's the plan? And <laughs> write the book. So then I'm getting ready to write this book. Holy who, yes you, you can live a life of holiness. Yes, girl, we better be holy. So then God is like, I need you to pack and go. Like Abraham, who's Abraham, friend? So I open up the book, Abraham. I'm like, Abraham, he got a bugged out story. Time out. Mm -hmm. Like, pack and go, where we going? God told me to leave from what I was in because I done created a new sin. Okay, I done got the hook up, hook up, got two more kids. It's a situation. It's nice, though. Got two car garage and this, that. God is like, I need you to go. I'm like, surely I ain't going nowhere. He can go because I'm the lady now with four kids. And this is the four bedroom. Mm -hmm. So we pack and go on a journey to obedience to God. Leave everything. So... Oh, don't forget, we was injured at the job, friend. So now we got no more job. God tells us to pack and go after we get injured. Yeah. And they don't no want to do house, work as calm. No, no more job. So now, where do we go? So now, um, and when we got injured, the injury was real. It wasn't a play play. Like, I had memory loss. Mm -hmm. I suffered with vertigo. There was times where I couldn't even communicate what was in my mind out of my mouth. I would say, get your shoes out the refrigerator. Let's go. And, but I knew and remembered how smart I was and how I articulated. So that was very difficult. That was like a different type of silent depression that I didn't even have time to sit in because I was like, this is crazy. So my answer, I couldn't work nowhere no more. My answer now was church. So I ran a church. And I'm like, I'm going to church. God's like, I'm not in there, I'm in you. I'm like, nah, I'm going to God that's in church because y'all don't know what you're talking about, but God's supposed to be in church, I'm going to church. Mm -hmm. And I went to church, did like, a, you know, OD, shout out to church though, chill. but. But I overdid it. God was like, yo, I have, I want to talk to you. I'm building you. I'm within you. And I'm calling you to a people so you can let them know that I love them right where they are. Like, and I, so God was doing something different with me. And he was like, you know, you overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of your testimony. I'm like, what is that? Like, you overcome by, you know, what Jesus did. Great. Shout out to that. But now the testimony, what do you mean? Like God is like, you're the and ministry. You're the so what ministry. I'm like, what does that mean? So what your father was on drugs? So what you've been molested? So what that, you know, uh, you, you, you was a victim of domestic violence? So, so what? Because you're gonna overcome. So how do you teach people how to overcome and triumph over their trauma? You be that first example. So now God shifts us and we finally get our own place. We did, we, me and my children were homeless for five months and we stayed with the um, friend that I met at church. Mm -hmm. And we did this, this, I did this discipleship program and all this stuff. So I had a very close walk with God. I was walking so close with God, I was scared to get dirty, didn't want to go outside. God's like, girl, I can't use you in this house. So you went all the way to the left. Yeah, went all the, all the way in holiness. Okay, mm -hmm. don't worry about nothing. Don't be human. Nope. Mm -hmm. God was like, can't do Like when they say so heavenly, so earthly, you ain't no heavenly good, you ain't no earthly good. That was me, I was no good. So now here I am um, all the way. I'm about to write this book about holiness. Um, and I lived by faith because no income, nothing. God literally provided. So I went from being in control, working all these jobs, creating a business anywhere I go, creating God, creating positions for me. But God is like, now I'm going to show you that I'm your provider. So for five years. There was no section eight, no type of assistance, literally supernaturally. So that's a whole nother story. But the point of that during that time, I 
wrote that book. But how that book came about, there was a young lady um, whom I was following and she was doing a writing uh, class, how to write a book in 10 days. I only had the money for my electric bill, like a hundred and something dollars. Her program came up, God was like, do it. I did it. I called her like, yeah, this is, you know, I invested my money and she was like, man, you, you shouldn't, um, you know, you should pay your bills with your money. You don't invest your money. I was like, girl, I don't never have no money. Like I live by faith. Like you mm -hmm. don't even understand. I just obey the same voice that saved me and pulled me out of everything. So now, um, she, I tell her the name of my book, Holy Who Yes You. She's like, okay, you got any other names? And I'm like, girl, like, no, mm. it's, it's holiness. I said, well, I actually, I have a list of like 22 names of books because God keeps talking to me, you know, I'm very excited. Daddy issues was like at the bottom of the list. She said, that's it. Mm -hmm. I was like, no way. And I ended up um, just obeying because that's who God sent me to. I wrote the book. When I wrote the book, I didn't include some things and I was waiting on God just to be a genie and poof and do something with it. And um, nothing happened. And God was like, Mickey Mouse. I said, Mickey Mouse. He said, I need you to tell the story from the beginning. Yeah. How you were, when you were eight. And I was like, oh. And so he had me dive into some things that was just, it's, it's the diary that I didn't write. So now that you've actually tapped into your own story, you are helping other people dig into from when they were eight, five, six, seven. So now teaching them to triumph over their trauma. So I wrote the book mm -hmm. um, and literally it took off. No paid advertising for anything. I did the book cover design myself. I didn't have any finances when I actually did it. So now here's a, I'm not even looking at it as a stream of income because now I'm looking at, you know, not trying to mix ministry with this. I'm not understanding the way God is pivoting me now. I had lived by faith. I lived by works with no faith. Then now I'm living by faith. No works. No works. Mm -hmm. So now God is merging it because faith without works is dead. And he's like, girl, you had it before, but you thought it was all you. You was your God. Yeah. That is incorrect. I was like, Ay. and so now he's like, I am your God. So now let's get this thing going. So I write the book. I'm excited. Boom. Ready for the big bang. We get hit by a tractor trailer. <laughs> girl, I said, there's no way. And we and we didn't get the millions. We didn't get zip, zero nada. No so, settlement. No settlement. Okay. Um, and there's another story. But the whole point was, I wrote the book in obedience, and things happen. So I'm saying all this just to say to you, in life, things are gonna happen. So there's time to just shift, and you don't have to moan and groan. I mean, you write about it in the diary on the side if you will. But the point of every story that I'm sharing is that you can shift, and it gets greater if you keep going. Like I never stopped going. I didn't have an opportunity to because I had those kids. Now, if I didn't have those kids, right, who knows yeah. what it would have been like. But God gave me great responsibility to know that I wouldn't quit on anybody else. And so I wrote the book and I'm watching my book all over the highway. We back on the news, y'all. Back on the news. Now, we, the news is there. I'm like, yeah. yo, the news is here. We here. Second we on the 20th. Third time on the news. Third time on the news. And so mm -hmm. here we are back on the news. So, um, yeah, so that was that. But then I learned and I went through a, a, a trauma or, you know, in ministry, a separation. But God's saying, will you stand with me when people aren't standing with you? Or are you charging me to, you know, I had to go through another type of healing. And I'm like, man. And God kept me in my house for three years creating. Started writing books, started doing uh, book tours, like people were calling me for sp uh, speaking engagements, started designing hats, doing all this stuff, and a radio station contacted me, and I was a radio host with over six million listeners for Resilient Christian Radio. So yeah, so I did that during that time. So I had my own pandemic before the pandemic. Mm. 
because now I'm in Georgia with no car mm -hmm. and four kids. And then I'm being called to work on Greenleaf, so I started doing acting. Because so I worked with Tyler Perry, um, um, Sisters, um, The Oval. And so there's amazing opportunities here, right? Um, but the pay is nothing like what it's like in New York. There's no union here. So a lot of people don't know about that. Mm -hmm. And um, this would be something um, that a lot of people come here to film because they can pay what they can pay, which means um, 8 over 88. Do you know what that means? No. You get... Um, $88 for eight hours. That's crazy. And we talking motion pictures. Yeesh, you getting $88 to be working on that? 150 and a lot of people, and I mean, and so you have to, the and yes. trade off because the value of going in and being exposed to these people. I suppose, right? Mm -hmm. So it depends how you look at it. For me, I was like, man, I'm not making any money at home. I can take an Uber there. So for me, during my time of transition, because we pivoted, I, for those two years before pandemic, working on all of the sets, um, resin, so many amazing movies in different casting companies, but that was the fee. If you don't like it, then don't do it, right? But for me, I wasn't making any money at home. I didn't have a car, so I'm taking an Uber to set, right? Or Uber back. You get paid maybe six weeks later, okay. right? So you get paid. So by the time I'm putting money out just to really make $30, $40, yeah. Um, and if you worked overtime, you got more money. That was good. If you got a principal uh, role or if you got a feature, that was more money. Um, so the deal was just to be booked like almost every day of the week because now my children have to go to school. So I have to pay for them to have a bus to come pick them up because they go to a charter school. Okay. So now I needed money. Like before I was living by faith, God was making it happen and there was no reason. But prior to the car accident, I was asked to be on a show and I was like, no, I can't do that because I'm taking my kids back and forth to school. Right. And so I pushed it away. But God was like, no. And so me working in front of the camera was it was a realization for me. This was a wake up moment because I was so used to working where behind the camera, behind the scenes, mm -hmm. making big money. Right. And now I'm humble in front of the camera, which looks great. Everybody's like, wow. But now I'm in front of the camera making way less than everybody else because nobody knows I'm Ubering here. I'm yeah. doing what I got to do just to make pennies. And during that process, wrote the book. Um, now God is like, all right, it's time. Get back into, you know, and I'm like, how do I market? I never sold my book. Shout out to the morning meetup. Um, um, David Shands had an event where authors could gather and sell their books. So I challenged myself, like, let me go and sell my book because the book had been moving on its own. God has been doing it. So for my birthday, as a gift to God, I went to his um, stand with his shirts and I sold my book. And it was nice, it was a challenge to myself, but connecting in with the morning meetup and social proof connected me to uh, Words Taylor, right? Mm -hmm. Which I said, you know what, now I'm gonna sell my book, I'm gonna work the faith and all of that stuff. I said, let me create a funnel for my book. So I had contacted somebody to learn how to do a funnel and she was like, okay, $8,000. I was like, oh yeah, clearly she don't like, okay, nope. <laughs> and so then when I um, connected with words and saw what he was doing, I joined some challenges that he had. I joined a group where he gave a whole lot of value in and it was just amazing. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna learn how to do a funnel. And I am not like tech savvy, whatever they call it. I am, that's not my thing. I'm old school, so digital, y'all know. I'll be like this, but we digital now, right? So I create this funnel and I put my book at this funnel and I'm so excited in this class because now I invested my rent money, okay? Because rent invested all my money. Yeah. And we got to make it work. So now he's like, why do you have your, fun your book at this funnel? Yeah. And I'm like, what do you mean? 
right? And prior to that, I got interviewed by, like my book won't go away. This is all I have, and but I got interviewed by Celebrity L, Cool J, so there's so many different things that have been taking place that I'm like, okay, the book is the way. Yeah. Even though I don't want to talk about the issues, I just want everybody to be great. Yeah. Um, I don't want to deal with it. I did it in obedience. I still want to write my little holy book. You know, I was, it was a little tight about the book. Mm-hmm. And so, and this is the book, y'all. y'all That's you know, daddy issues. Daddy issues. Your identity is revealed when you get healed. But so, absolutely. So, and this copy, I gotta give it to you. So, absolutely. So, so speaking of which, now that you are, you've used the funnel. Your story. Listen, you guys have to tap into her social media as well because you did the funnel. You got a chance to like see. Not only is it not the the book was for the funnel, it was for your program. Yeah. Right, and now you teach other people how to tell their stories and identify their healing. So, yes. what process do you take people through in your program? Awesome. Now that you've lived the experience, lived what process it. do you take people through to tell their story? Right. So the process I take people through uh, was kind of the process that I went through. When I put the book at the funnel, my coach was like, "You're not supposed to have your book there." You've already been through that. Just what you said, like you're supposed to be teaching people how to triumph over their trauma. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh yeah, no. So I was in denial of who I was and what I had to offer and give. And so I take people through the process of identifying who they are, right? And so that means teaching them how to turn their life story into a self-published book or use their words. We're all here, we all have a fingerprint, we all have a voice, we all share a story. We all told something to somebody and encourage somebody. Mm -hmm. So I remind people of their why, their purpose. And not just remind, because there's a greatness on the inside of them that isn't resolved yet, that hasn't yet had the opportunity to speak. And the reason why people don't write a book is because they don't have the confidence, they don't have the courage, and they've been told so many lies that they believe. So now I actually help them make a new agreement with themselves and tap into the greatness within. So I teach them how to operate in their greater. Mm -hmm. So some people come to me and they know they have a book, they know they have a story, and I'm like, great, and I help them shape it. And one of the key things, and um, this could be a free giveaway for your people, if they go to writemybook.net, writemybook.net, I give a case study where I teach you how to write a book from the end, middle, then beginning. So we start at the end, middle, and then the beginning. And this gives you the framework for your story, but it makes it so easier. Because if I give you a blank piece of paper and you get ready to color without any borders or lines, you're just gonna do whatever and you right. don't know. So right. I consider myself like the coloring book. <laughs> you know what I mean? I come give in. Some lines, yeah. Figure out where you want to color. Give you some structure and I give you the information because it doesn't cost hundreds or thousands of dollars to write a book. And so I give that information away freely and but i teach people and take them through the process so working with me really is about identifying the story that you have so i can hear you talk and then i can identify wow this can be done in this way so i know the know-how of how to do it and how to get it published in less than three days and all of those different things and how to get it print so i give you that information but the real deal is creating a story that speaks to your truth yeah. see when i exit this earth you don't have to read an obituary that somebody else wrote I've already told you my reasons and my why's. A lot of times we're misunderstood, but we don't write that story because we haven't healed from those things. So mm-hmm. I teach people how to heal through writing, and that's the true process. My goodness. I'm excited. For those of you guys who are trying to figure out like how to tell your story, because you've been through just as much. Honestly, you've been through a lot more than a lot of people before 18. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. But for those of you guys who do have stories, this is a process that you can go through to identify your trauma. I've been recently talking about um, corporate trauma, right? Oh, wow. The trauma that you have when you go into the job. And 
and what you take from previous job into another job, which is the reason why maybe it doesn't work. Yeah. And I think a lot of people needing to tap into that perhaps could tell it through a th in a therapeutic way. Through a yes. Story. No. And people don't understand because like we talked earlier, you asked a great question and how I wrote. I never wrote for healing. Mm -hmm. See, a lot of times we try to have businesses. We try to have companies. We, we write books. We do all of these things, but we don't deal with us. And so you see people get all this money, they're millionaires and all of these different things and then get their suicidal and depression and things come in because there's issues that's rooted down that they never dealt with. Yeah. So in writing, just because you write it doesn't mean you have to publish it. Let's be clear. Mm -hmm. So I teach people to publish the prescription, not the pain. In my book, I mended every relationship. So there's reconciliation. Mm -hmm. We are cool, there's no problem, but I went through a healing process. And so it is not important to write about things that you're not yet healed from. Go through that process, but give us the triumph. Because when we exit, it's just like, you know, the Bible, different stories. There's triumphant story. It's like Little Red Riding Hood. It's like the three little pigs, right? And some people, I don't want anybody to get caught up and think, oh, you know, I'm speaking one way. Any story, any good movie that we watch, there's always a victory, yeah. no matter what. It's like, wow, there may be some twists and turns, but the point is we win. The point is the ending is great. The, the latter shall be greater. And that's why I'm here at Ladies How to Great, but teaching people how to operate in their greater just by using the vehicle of writing a book. Because once you release it, it's just like a garden, man. Uh, I had a weed in my house. It grew outside in front. Next to my rose bush, I didn't even know it was like a weed. My uncle was like, that's not a, gonna be a flower. I was like, what is it? And <laughs> he was like, it's a weed and it's gonna do this. And I was like, oh no, it has to go. You have to separate. You have to separate the, because weeds will choke out a living thing. Mm -hmm. That pain on the inside that somebody's going through, it's gonna spill over in their business. So not just if you have trauma and drama, even if you have a company, even if like you do the work and pay podcast, that could be a book. Like everything, the way you communicate, how you ask questions, you can be sharing with people how to do that. And what books do, they, they leave the blueprint. What books do, it gives you a voice, it gives you authority, it's impact, it's influence. So a lot of us are working triply hard when all we have to do is spend the time and write that book one time yeah. and then it can speak and it can lead for us. Yeah, so I, I mean, I'm, I'm so excited now to be living in my purpose. I never knew that it would take me writing a book because I always just wanted to have what I have now, Greater You University. I'm teaching people to operate in their greater, mm -hmm. teaching them to turn their book into a business and a brand. When you look at my story, I started off promoting music. Music tells a story. You know what I mean? I, I was doing that with businesses, parties, venues, different things. I've always been marketing and business, but when things went digital, mm -hmm. I went sour. So this is me now pivoting back, <laughs> joining the rest of the digital world. Like, hey, here I am, but you have a voice, you have a story, leave your mark in the earth. Well, we're not gonna be here forever. No, we're not. So our book will speak for us. This is, this is just one of them. I have nine books, um, and so that's just one of them. But I've helped over 100 people tell their story. We have poem books, we have cookbooks, we have coaches that have their processes in the book. So um, anybody that's got a voice and a reason and wants to really leave an impact and has the courage to tap in with me, I'm a real coach. I fight you for you. So I'm <laughs> not for everybody. For Come on. Yeah. That's what we're going next. So listen, y'all, you know what this is. You know what time it is. If there's someone who's listening and you guys are watching and you want to tap in, this is the time where you need to tune in so that Lady Ty can tell you how you can get in contact with her.
Yes, and I am actually, I'm doing a webinar coming up, but I plan on doing a lot of more things uh, for the community. But if you guys tap into Lady Ty the Great on Instagram, that's a great place to find me and so many free giveaways I have. Um, well, I teach you how to write a book. I have the writemybook.net. Yep, so writemybook.net, you can go there and you can actually grab that free case study that gives you the framework. But if you're interested in self-publishing, because that's another thing, paying publishers thousands of dollars, I love to teach people how to self-publish because if you have more than four books in you, I'm showing you how to save $10,000. Who wouldn't want that? Yeah. So I love it, but um, I'm your girl, Lady Tata Gray, and this has been an honor, a pleasure. Um, you guys got some goodies on this show, so tap in Lady Tata Gray on Instagram. You can go to my website, ladytatagray.com, but my IG is where I love to live. Um, DM me, I reply to you, I, I holla. And so just super excited for what um, the greatness on the inside of you to arise. People need to hear your voice. You don't have to be perfect. Done is better than perfect. There you go. You guys have it. You know what to do with that information. Go ahead, take action. Go be great. And until next week, peace out. Bye.